so it is marichihi marichihi that which is illumining or self illumining by nature that which is self illumining by nature <clears throat> which does not require any other point of reference or point of uh, guidance like for example if you ask your child today being a cloudy day outside so if you go ask your child and say do you see if there is sun outside so the child asks how does the sun look he says it will be bright glowing outside do you require a proof any other proof to illumine that sun it is self illumining it is that self illumining because of which we see sometimes by mistake we even conclude that the sun is covered sun in fact is so huge and so illumining that the sun can never be covered but there are clouds so the clouds are not covering the sun they are covering our vision and the amazing part of this entire equation is even those clouds which are covering our vision are visible in his illumination as the sun so is the self self or paramatma atma or paramatma that which does not require proof of existence it is self illumining now what does it mean like many times <coughs> i have very few times i have traveled in the bus system or the train system here that they have the bus system that was that is still there in the part of dallas where i the ashram is and i live couple of times that i ended up using it if you do not know the place if you do not know the route and if you are blindly following the announcements made by the driver the one who is driving it i was confused many times confused because what was being announced was not clearly understood he had a thick they call it ebonics i believe a thick a different kind of an accent not even american it's a, it's a totally different kind of accent to itself it was very difficult for me to follow so when i'm traveling <clears throat> from one place to the other how do i know i have reached that place either i have to keep following the road signs in india it was it, it, it is a easy task because there are so many shops and every shop has an address underneath and the address very clearly displays what town or city or village it, it is so you don't need to ask anybody so whenever i traveled i used to quickly make friends with the one that is sitting along with me and announce are you going beyond this wherever i have to get down i said yeah so if so can you please tell me so i said no the driver will announce i said tried that can't understand what he says 
So kindly if you can help me out. So when we don't know the destination, we are always anxious. Have I reached? Have I crossed that? Have I gone beyond? Do I have to find another means to come back? There is always this anxiety. So for the spiritual seekers, when they are on this path of self-realization, and we end up questioning, how do I know if I have realized or not? Don't worry. It will be self-evident. Because it is self-illumining. Mari chihi. <clears throat> but in order to reach to that <coughs> state of self-illumination, we need to find the method so what is the method? So the method he says, there is the two meanings for this particular word. Damanaha, marichir damanaha, marichir damano hamsaha. Damanaha. Damana is to resist, control or to restrain various meanings. Now the meaning when it is applied, it has got couple of applications. The first application is, we need to control and find restraint in our emotions, feelings, thoughts, ideas. And that too in only in the initial stages. Presently, let us take an example. What is the most profound emotion that we usually got, get sway under? Name an emotion. Sadness. Sadness, anger, grief, misery, various kinds of emotions. When these emotions are overwhelming, what happens is we get completely drowned under them. As the emotion flows, where are we? We are in the flow. And once we are in the flow, there is nothing to anchor us. There is nothing that can hold us. So by the time that it takes for that emotion to flow by, subside, we are already drained. We are so lost at the end of that emotional trauma. For example, we take anger. Is that emotion of anger good or bad? <coughs> Many a times we end up saying bad. Or if you understand that it, you know, maybe this fellow is asking a trick question, you say depends. So these are the two unique answers that I keep getting. The emotion of anger as such is neither good nor bad. The goodness and badness is not the intrinsic quality of anger. If we are under the grip and control and sway of that emotion, then it is bad. If we know how to use it, then it is good. 
So initially when it is said Damanaha, control it. Control it so that you can master it. So that you are not swept under the influence of the overwhelming emotion. Therefore, one needs to discipline and control through that discipline. Damanaha. On the other hand, there are various rishis and mahatmas. They are shown to have quite a bit of anger. And who is the famous angry young man of our Puranas? Durvasa. <coughs> he is known to be so angry that people who end up serving or get an opportunity to serve him are constantly petrified. Because they do not know, they do not have a clue what you do will make him angry, what you don't do will make him angry. But if you keenly, closely observe his life, whenever he has shown or he is shown to have you know, uncontrollable anger, whenever he has exhibited his uncontrollable anger, when we think that it is uncontrolled, but whenever he has expressed his anger, what is the end result of that one person on whom he has showered his anger? You may have heard the story of Ambarisha. Ambarisha was Bhagwan's devotee and <coughs> he goes and shows his anger to him. At the end, what does Ambarisha get after going through the overwhelming anger of Durvasa? He gets direct Sakshatkar of Bhagwan. If somebody's anger enhances us, gives us an opportunity to find that Paramatma, is that anger good or is that anger bad? When we get angry and we, we exhibit our anger on somebody, what do we give that other person? Do we give Paramatma Darshan? Nowhere close to that, right? We give pain, we give sorrow, we give misery to the other person. Therefore, our anger is bad. Durvasa's anger takes us directly to Paramatma. For 20 years, I have been trying to find that Mahatma who has got anger. Because if I irritate them, they get angry and I have a clean you know, bypass directly towards Paramatma. What a good deal. It's it, 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 such an easy path, but it doesn't happen. I have been searching for 20 years. Our anger or our emotions which are so running vehemently, they, they need to be controlled because it is not productive, it is not positive. Once you know how to step out of their influence and then learn how to control it, how to balance it and then know how to use it, the same emotion turns around to become quite a good empowering tool. 
So the poor emotion has nothing to do with goodness or badness. It depends purely on who uses it and how they use it. Being in balance and you use it or being in imbalance and we get swept under it. So therefore, for every initial seeker, the first step towards self-illumination or self-realization is Damanaha, restrain yourself, discipline yourself. But what we do is we immediately compare. That, you know, see them, that, you know, they say they are rishis, they are mahatmas, they don't control themselves, why should you ask us to control? Their utility has gained a lot of positivity. Our utility has led to a lot of destruction, personally as well as to everybody that is around us. Therefore, Damanaha, one meaning of Damana. The second meaning of Damana is that Paramatma, when invoked within one's own heart, he is the one who puts restraint. So, what is the method to control, restrain, is to invoke the name of the Lord when we are going through the traumatic effects of our own emotions. See, the japa that is being taught is such a sacred, such a beautiful method. But instead of understanding its beauty, we use it for a marathon. <coughs> What are you doing? I am doing Japa. That is not called Japa, that is called Marathon. So what does Japa mean? That beautiful method, that sacred method, that scientific method by which we can easily remove ourselves from the flow of our own emotional onslaught, which has been tied down to our own breathing. So what do you do whenever you find yourself in quite a traumatic effect or the onslaught of our own emotions? Sit back. Swamiji, if I could sit back. And it <coughs> In order to be able to apply this method during the onslaught of the emotions, this should be a handy practiced tool. You cannot carry a dagger or a sword thinking that I will start learning how to use it if somebody attacks me. That will be stupid. All these, what do they call them, ninja warriors? They go through such intense training of years and years of practice. And after that practice and they have mastered it, every day they spend time on keeping their practice and skill up to the mark. Don't they do it? Similarly, even in our the japa has to be a method which has already been put into practice for considerable amount of time. 
So first thing is don't try to apply it during the onslaught of emotions. Try to practice it before that. So make sure that every single day there is the constant practice every day at least morning and evening 10-10 minutes. Can't we find 10 minutes? How much time do we spend on washing, cleaning and maintaining this body? How much time do we spend in the shower? 5 minutes to 10 minutes max? I am just assuming. <clears throat> there are sometimes parents are like you know banging on the door. Enough, come out now. <laughs> 5 to 10 minutes on an average. Don't we? And then to maintain it, food, at least half an hour, three slots, one and a half hour. I am not including the rest part of it. The beautification part of it, at least two, three times a day. I am just guessing, Baba. Another five, ten minutes. All that I am asking is another 10 minutes added in to keep oneself trained for those moments when this method can be applied. So at that moment when we focus on our breath, inhale slowly and while exhaling repeat the name of the Lord along with that breath, it, it gives us the capacity to immediately snap out of the influence or the effect of that emotion. And as you now constantly focus on the breathing and repetition of that name, even if you do 21 times during that onslaught, and the best part is, it is the most user-friendly technique. You don't need to carry a gadget, you don't need to find a place, you don't need to find a time, you don't need to find... All that has to happen is inside, in sync with breathing. Both are non-obvious. All that you have to do is start focusing on your breath, slow it down and start repeating the name of the Lord. Immediately see that you can observe your own and that is how the Nama has the effect. And in that effect of the Nama, he is recognized as Damanaha, the one who can restrain these onslaughts of emotions. Mari Chirdamano Hamsaha. Hamsaha is the essence of the Vedic knowledge. <coughs> the entire word would be Ahamsaha. But in, there are certain rules wherein, like in French, they have more syllables than they can pronounce. But they, they insist on having more syllables. And they call it, they are all silent. Similarly, there are certain rules in Sanskrit language wherein, there are the vowels which can be dropped from the word. Very specific cases. And one of such specific cases, this word called Ahamsaha. Ahamsaha, the a drops. 
and it becomes hamsaha. <coughs> so aham saha. <coughs> aham meaning I saha. So I that conscious principle is nothing but that which I have been referring as him or that. That conscious principle which I have been searching for all over the world, all over my experiences with various interactions, I finally find that that Paramatma is right here in my own heart. So, the, there are various Dohas as well. He says, that he started searching for, this is Kabir Das Ji, he says, this he started searching for that Paramatma. Like the Kasturi Mruga. Kasturi Mruga, there is this deer and in its navel, there is this drops of amazing uh, fragrance which gather in certain season. For which they are hunted down. And it's a very rare commodity. And the fragrance is amazing. I don't know if you have ever had the opportunity to smell the Kasturi deers. It's, it's sold as Kasturi. And the purest of it is, I mean, it, it lingers around for you know few months. Once you open it up, in that space, it lingers around for a few months. That's the amount of intensity that it carries. Now imagine that Kasturi Mruga, that, that deer himself, uh, when starts smelling it, this is, this is such a beautiful smell, and starts searching for it all over the forest. And where exactly is it? In its own self. Similarly, when we look around the world, all these various things, that which seem to give us joy, at that pinnacle moment of joy, what is happening is, it is not the vastu or the vyakti which can give us that happiness. It is at that moment, the mind which is constantly restless is put to rest. At that moment when the mind becomes completely restful, what is truly our intrinsic nature gets reflected at that moment briefly. But then we start attributing that to that vastu or that vyakti, that object or that person. <coughs> Therefore, we always complain. You know, this was different, you know, long time ago when I used, to, I used to love it. Nowadays, I don't. Why? That experience is different. This experience is different. And more specifically, uh, between different relationships, they say, you, know, you were quite loving then. Now, you are not. At that moment, that joy or that the amount of restfulness that the mind had enjoyed reflected in different amount of joy, which may or may not get reflected at this moment. 
So that which we are searching for, where is it? It is right here in our own bosom, which is in our own heart. Aham saha. And this is not a mantra to be repeated. You don't then, you know, suddenly, okay, this is a maha mantra. And this maha mantra is given even in the Upanishads. <coughs> Therefore, sit down and aham saha, aham saha, aham saha. And somebody wise enough would come and say, stop this himsa of aham saha. I have given this example even earlier. Do you know your gender? Not a trick question. That's a simple question. Do you know your gender? Yes? Good. <coughs> Go home, do this experiment on somebody else. Make sure they are not somebody that can overpower you. First caution. Second, make sure that they are in deep sleep. Third step, suddenly wake them up and ask them their gender. You may think it is a foolish thing. I have experimented it with all ages. When I had experimented it, it was power of yellow. Meaning I was still a brahmachari. So they almost like you know, getting angry. But you know, brahmachari, what can they do? They kept quiet. I have tried it in all age groups and all different uh, environments. That even when you wake up somebody in the deep sleep and ask them their gender, they will not fault at it. You wake somebody up, they, will be, they may be irritated with you, but they don't have any confusion. You ask them, what gender are you? Um, wait, let me think. There is no confusion. The awareness or the knowledge of what gender I am, do you do a Nitya Abhyasa? Every day morning, 10 minutes, you, you breathe, do pranayama and then sit down and then say, I am Purushaha. I am Purushaha only. I cannot be stri. Do you do any such tapas or puja or japa? No. It is the awareness that you are that at a physical level. Now at a spiritual level, this ahamsaha is not a japa process to be repeated. But it is the pure awareness that I am that effulgent self within. That is what is the Upanishad referring to. And that is the very nature of Paramatma. <clears throat> On a different level, Hamsaha also means a swan. It seems that the swans have this amazing capacity to do the Nirakshira Viveka. You may give them one liter of milk, but mix it with two liters of water. 
it will leave behind your 2 liters of water and drink that 1 liter of milk. You can calculate it. I have not experimented it, but I will believe whoever has said that experiment. It may be that it, it has some curdling agent or some kind of a chemical in its beak. At the moment it puts it in, all the milk gets curdled and all the liquid behind is left. Have you ever tried how to make paneer? Simple. Take milk and don't be stingy. Don't use uh, uh, fat-free milk or 2% milk. Take whole milk. And then let it come to a boiling point. After it comes to a boiling point, add one tablespoon of lemon juice or vinegar. And suddenly you will see Ola, that the milk, it breaks, it splits. Remove all the water, what remains? Paneer, cheese. <coughs> when we were growing up, we did not have these refrigerators and other things. So we had to boil the milk at least two, three times in the day, during the day. And me and my brother, very early, probably I was in my second grade and he was in his kindergarten or something, we had recognized that day when the milk splits is a jolly day because we used to make rasgullas. <laughs> so we would purposefully sit and break the milk. And my mom would come back and say, why is this happening on a regular basis? Are you guys up to something? Once you know how to break it. So the Hamsa has got it naturally. That it takes only the content and what is not the content, what is not required is dropped behind. So if our intellect also becomes that sharp, that subtle and that steady, all three, it has to be sharp, it has to be subtle and it has to be steady. It is in that pure sattvic intellect <coughs> that the Paramatma reflects completely. And in order to reach to that sharp, subtle, steady intellect, we require the Viveka, the similar Viveka which the Hamsa does. Therefore, Hamsa is always represented if you see all the spiritual organizations and the religious organizations from India, Hindu religious organizations, most of them when they have their symbol, their symbol definitely needless to say has one hamsa swan there. You may find a couple of snakes and one swan, lotus, these are very common. Because all of them are indicative of that highest nature or highest state. Swan is indicative of that pure intellect. And the third reference of Hamsaha is that when Brahmaji <coughs> got confused about creation 
he was born he was born with actually five heads i call it penta processor <coughs> he was born with five heads and he was clueless and it is at that time that paramatma took the shape or form of hamsa and gave him the knowledge and that knowledge is called hamsa geeta so paramatma himself had come in the form of hamsa <coughs> to give this knowledge directly to brahma ji therefore also he is recognized as hamsaha mari chirdamano hamsaha suparnaha parna has got couple of meanings parna means leaf i mean in uh, in sanskrit they say parna kutira kutira the kutia the house that parna kutira meaning that which is shaded with the leaves so usually it is the leaves of um, coconut or uh, the palm trees so it gives lot of shade lot of coolness parna means leaf <clears throat> and therefore it is parna also has acquired a meaning of shade but today we will not be dealing with that meaning the second meaning of parna means wings so the birds are called suparna suparna because they are blessed with two beautiful wings i don't know if these kids today they have these kinds of hobbies i had collected about about 130 or 140 different birds feathers not uh, duplicate colored ones you know you color them and then uh, different shades of fluorescent colors and other things and then say this is different feather not that way a different species i used to know all 135 names it is like one of those obhi zamana tha in those days when i had that as a hobby <clears throat> i mean you look at closely those feathers so beautiful in its structure and color and shades amazing one of the feathers that most of us are most of us really love is the how common is the peacock feather and like this if it is a rainy season just before rain would start the peacock suddenly gets thrilled and opens up its beautiful shade and what a coordination in that creation the wings the tail and the dance that it has it's amazing to watch so suparna meaning that which is blessed with two beautiful wings he is called suparna because in mundaka upanishad there is a reference 
द्वासुपर्णा सयुजा सखाया समानम वृक्षम परिशश्व जाते तयोरन्यः पिप्पलम स्वादु अति अनश्नन अन्याह अभिचाकशीति दिस कम्स इन द मुंडकोपनिषद सो व्हाट डज द मुंडकश्रुति से दैट इनसाइड इट इज लाइक अ रेफरेंस लाइक एन एग्जांपल गिवन बोथ परमात्मा एंड द जीवात्मा the individuality and paramatma both of them sit on the same branch needless to say it is on the same tree so sit on the same branch what is the difference between jivatma and paramatma the jivatma though sitting on the same branch pippalam swadu atti it loves to enjoy the jivatma loves to enjoy the fruits of various endeavors fruits of various actions whereas what is paramatma that bird which is sitting observing various fruits of actions not indulging in them not involving in them at that point even the कर्तृत्व इज एक्सप्लेन्ड एज दी भोगासक्ति ओनली इवन द डू वर्शिप वी गेट एंटाइस्ड विथ बिकॉज वी लव द रिजल्ट ऑफ बीइंग अ डूअर सो दैट आल्सो इज यूज्ड इन दी भोक्तृत्व बट परमात्मा ओनली ऑब्जर्व्स डज नॉट इंडल्ज इन एनीथिंग दो मे लुक अपियर इन एवरीथिंग but does not get influenced by anything see when you see this beautiful picture of krishna along with bhagwan krishna bhagwan krishna along with the gopis dancing he danced once with them it was on a sharada purnima there are usually three portraits that are painted if you have made a keen observation there are three kinds of portraits one portrait displays that bhagwan krishna is in the middle and all the gopis are around him dancing this is the genesis of rasgarbha <clears throat> so bhagwan krishna is in the middle and all the gopis are dancing around this is the first one the second one is you will find still bhagwan krishna in the middle but he is also in between every single gopi between every gopi there is a krishna there is in the middle there is a krishna and the third picture depicts that every gopi is dancing along with krishna you know they are holding their hands and they are spinning around have you ever done that that kind <coughs> it makes you giddy at the end now what is the symbolism behind it that as a initial seeker when we begin that we see that 
and all the gopis are representative of various thoughts feelings and emotions that we start seeing all these thoughts feelings and emotions as something separate other than the divine thought of paramatma that is the first stage as it intensifies as bhakti intensifies as the shraddha intensifies we start seeing that between these various emotions whenever i get opportunity whenever i get time there is a thought of paramatma that is what is indicated in the second portrait that between the gopis there is one krishna the last one is the highest divine experience that you, we don't start seeing these thoughts emotions feelings as something separate or materialistic or something that limits us but in and through every thought every emotion every feeling it is nothing but paramatma it is that divine which is expressing therefore paramatma though he involves or though he seems to like expressing through everything he still remains as suparnaha suparnaha that observing which observes everything suparnaha bhujagottamaha <clears throat> there are some people who break this into two different words bhujagaha and uttamaha but in the most traditional way it is seen as one word bhujaga bhujanga they all mean the same but what does it mean it means a snake bhujaga naam uttama among all these snakes there is the most sacred one see if you look into hindu scriptures there is not an animal there is not a creature there is not a being which is not worshiped by us open challenge <laughs> every kind of being is worshiped and it was not because of the primitiveness of our lack of understanding born out of fear that we see all these dangerous animals and therefore we start praying because even in our practical application it seems thus like on the naga panchami day there is nag panchami so on the nag panchami day they go and pour liters and liters of milk into the snake pit or uh, you know crack the uh, eggs and drop them into the snake pit <coughs> there was one near the ashram back in vijayawada So I was always amused that people the way they do it. So one day I was standing there observing. And they all knew that I was a Swami ji or Chinmay Mission. So I was smiling. So all the group that was doing it was our own Devi group. So they all looked at me and said, Swami ji, why are you laughing at us? Or are you smiling, looking at us? So no, I said I am laughing at you. So why we thought so but why are you laughing at us so i said i had an assumption that with such devotion you are pouring milk and uh, in other ingredients into that snake hole what if 
the snake comes out and says, please offer it directly. What if the snake, just assume, the snake comes out, <coughs> the same people will pull out a stick and start beating it to death. Isn't it? So when we react thus, it seems that it must have been born from, all this worship must have been born from some primitivity. But the actual point was, that in and through every aspect of this creation, there is only Paramatma expressing. Therefore, even in a snake, which, which invokes a lot of disgust the moment you see it. We had a snake show here for all the kids. Oh, did you? Yeah, we had it for the uh, elementary school, lock-in. <coughs> And the kids loved it. And there was this huge boa constrictor. And he had it all around. And the kids were very comfortable putting it on their, around their neck. And have you ever touched a snake? You already look petrified. <laughs> Just with the thought of it. It is slimy. It is cold to touch. I have giving you a personal encounter. It is cold to touch. So it invokes that jugupsa, jugupsa meaning that disgust. The moment you think of a snake, even in that snake there is Paramatma. You may not go hug that Paramatma. You may not want to go to say, you know, the Paramatma is in everything. Okay, let me hug this snake. But at least work on removing the hatred or dislike in anything in this world. You may not like, you may not appreciate being with, but there is nothing in this world worth hating or disliking. First aspect of Bhujagottama. The second meaning of Bhujagottama is that he is called Bhujagottama because he expresses as the Ananta. Do you know who is Ananta? That snake on whom Paramatma or Bhagavan Vishnu sleeps. <coughs> Therefore, he is called Anantashayana or Anantashai, the one who sleeps on the Ananta. And this Ananta is the one which holds the entire 14 lokas on its head. A similar character which is shown even in the Greek mythology in, what is his name, Atlas? You are reading Greek mythology, so you should be able to tell me. It is Atlas, right? So, Atlas is the one who carries the globe. Similarly, in our, the entire Srishti, the Adhara or the support is Paramatma in the form of Ananta. Now, the third meaning of Ananta is, <clears throat> usually it is wound up as an energy coiled in the Mooladhara, on our spinal cord, on our spine, there are these seven <coughs> energy points. So, wherever these nerves meet, 
and the main hub or main uh, track in which most of these or all of these nerves invariably have to run through is through the spinal cord. So, the spinal cord is a very important uh, confluence of all these nerves. So, at seven different points where they merge or they diverge, there are seven different points. These seven points are called the chakra. Chakra, the energy nodules or energy points. There is this immense potentiality which is lying coiled in the muladhara, which is at the base of the spinal cord. You know, the spinal cord has a, a little arc. At the very end, it has a little bend. It almost feels like uh, the missing tail from Darwinian theory. Right at that point is where there is the Muladhara chakra. In that Muladhara, there is this energy and that energy is often symbolized through the snake. Therefore, on all the Hindu religious symbols or emblems, you would find a swan and a snake. So, that snake is representative of this Kundalini Shakti. So, that Kundalini Shakti which rises from Muladhara all the way to Sahasrara. Sahasrara is the final point which is here, which has the lotus of 1000 petals. That fully awakened energy is also called Bhujagottama. That fully awakened energy is also called Bhujagottama and that is called the true realization in the Raja Yoga or the Hatha Yoga method. Therefore, he is recognized as Bhujagottama and in Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavan himself says Anantas Chasmi Naganam of all the serpents I am the Ananta, which is like the cross-reference from another scripture. <clears throat> Moving forward, another pointer for Paramatma is Hiranyanabhaha. Hiranyanabhaha. Now, a very peculiar, this has been explained, I think, even in the past. I think the 48th word was also similar. Hiranyanabha means that from whose navel there is a Padma and there is Brahmaji, Hiranya. Hiranya is that uh, Hiranya Garbha. Hiranya Garbha is Brahmaji's other name. So, Brahmaji exists there from the Lord Narayana's uh, navel. It's a very peculiar description. If you look at that particular uh, photo or description that first of all there is milky ocean there is not enough milk for us here and he is sleeping in milky ocean there anyways so it's a milky ocean in that milky ocean he is he is on a serpent and that serpent has infinite number of heads So, as many heads, that many eyes. So, therefore, he is also called Ananta, infinite. It is all coiled up. 
so milk and a cold snake and he is sleeping on that snake comfortably and the snake's hood is acting like an umbrella onto that lord and all these infinite heads are turned within towards narayana then at the very end at his feet is this lakshmi ji who is sitting there pressing his feet <clears throat> a long time ago almost about 20 25 years ago i had seen this beautiful cartoon so narad ji goes and tells lakshmi ji that how long will you be pressing your feet why don't you ask next time the lord feels happy with you why don't you ask him when he says you know is there anything that i uh, your desire which i can fulfill tell him very politely that we'll exchange our positions that i'll sleep and now you start pressing my feet so one such day bhagwan narayana got really happy and said oh dear honey i am pleased whatever you ask shall be fulfilled yes then she says are you sure said, yes have i ever not fulfilled your demands he said okay let us exchange our position what she meant was that she'll take a break and bhagwan can start pressing her feet so he said okay so bhagwan shifts his head under the hood to the tail end and puts his feet and said go you go sit there and continue your work so lakshmi ji is at one end pressing the feet and right there is one distracting lotus from the navel of paramatma and there are couple of temples which are famous for <clears throat> this particular depiction of the lord and its form one is in srirangam which is in tamil nadu and the other one is in he was recently declared as the ha ah, it was in kerala he is called padmanabha swami he was recently declared as the richest god hindu god so there was another cartoon <coughs> with somebody forwarded so far lord venkateshwara was considered as the richest god so venkateshwara and padmanabha meet so venkateshwara is saying man you beat me to it he said why i have been standing to make this earning for eons and you seem to have made all that and much more just by sleeping how cool and comfortable is your job so this entire ananta padmanabha 
is a very significant symbolic figure or description. The nabhi or the udara, the stomach of the paramatma, the cosmic form which is described in Purusha Sukta. Nabhya asid antariksham shirshnaudyau samavartata padbhyambhu mirdisha shrotra at. So in the nabhi is where there is space. And that is why the mother in that space can conceive and from that space is the baby delivered. So that space of possibility, that space of creative possibility of that Paramatma, in that space is where creation can occur. And in as the in charge of that creation in that space is Brahma, which when literally portrayed as described will sound very uh, unassuming uh, portrayal, wherein suddenly out of the navel is this lotus shooting up. But it is a figurative understanding, a symbolic understanding. That it is in that space that there is a creative surge of possibility of creation and expressing forth. So, Hiranyanabha, Hiranyanabha, that who has that creative surge in that Udara, Nabha, Nabhi, and he expresses forth from there. Hiranyanabha, Sutapaha. And Brahmaji, as soon as he came, he suddenly danced and jumped into creating chaos. You know, karna I had to do something. Okay, let me start creating. He did not start creating chaos. But instead, as soon as he got created, what did he do? He did an extensive amount of tapasya. Sutapaha. Sutapaha, well baked. One meaning of tapa means to bake. Sutapa means well baked. But another meaning of sutapa, a deeper meaning of sutapa means <coughs> the one who has expressed himself in and through all the glorious tapas. And the first one to do this tapas was Brahmaji himself. And through this tapas, when he acquired that knowledge, understood the entire Vedas, after having understood is what is being created as this universe or the multiverse. Because we don't believe in universe. We believe in multiple layers of these creations. In our own arati that we chant, we say, Deva Devottama, Devata Sarvabhoma, Akhilanda Koti Brahmanda Nayaka. How many Brahmandas are there? Akhilanda. There are innumerable number of them. That many creations that Brahmaji envisaged and started creating based out of this tapasya. 
So even in our lives, what is the pointer? As soon as there is a desire, don't jump into action. In Hindi, there is a saying, Bevkuf wo, jo pehle kare, baad mein soche. Buddhiman wo, jo pehle soche, baad mein kare. Translation of that would be, that fool is that one who does, meaning who performs the action and then starts thinking. Whereas a wise one is the one who first thinks, thinks thoroughly, thinks through and then executes into action. Which is indicated right through this Sutapa Brahmaji performing his penance. Hiranyanabha Sutapaha Padmanabha Padmanabha In various aspects of scriptures, we find that <coughs> Paramatma is usually described or various aspects of Paramatma is described in the Dhyana Shloka. And most of these Dhyana Shlokas that describe that form of God, they describe it with such uh, meticulate details and there is one particular portion which is called Mukha Samudrika Lakshana. Mukha Samudrika Lakshana, there are various indications that are indicated and in that Mukha Samudrika Lakshana, there is the description of various forms of gods and most of these forms when I was learning painting, I was taught and surprisingly the first thing that we were taught was to draw lotuses in different stages, in different dimensions, in different angles, in different shades. I was really perturbed, like you know, I have come for a serious you know, learning and they are ending up teaching you know, one after the other different lotuses. I was not very amused. But then, after having learnt, this, this took about 10 days of training. 10 intense training of different diagrams of lotuses, shades and sketches and of it. And what amazed me was, each limb of the Lord, as they draw, are different aspects of lotuses. So the eyes, when they draw, it is like the lotus bud. So you draw a lotus on this side and this side, the eyes come beautiful in shape. The entire face is like a lotus bud which is just about to open up. So you draw that entire beautiful shape, it gives that symmetry to it. And once you, once you learn the lotus's shapes, then we realize that the middle part, the torso, that is also a, a lotus which is blooming. So, it, it starts with that shape and then blooms out into these multiple hands. Very beautifully, you can start, you know, draw a rough structure of the lotuses. So, something which is as beautiful as the lotus, something which is as pure as the lotus, Padmanabha, the one whose every limb looks like and is like a lotus. Padmanabha.
प्रजापति हैविंग क्रिएटेड दिस यूनिवर्स वॉट वुड द क्रिएटर बी कॉल्ड द लॉर्ड ऑफ द क्रिएशन देर फोर ही इज कॉल्ड प्रजानाम पति द लॉर्ड ऑफ द एंटायर क्रिएशन एंटायर कॉस्मॉस मूविंग फॉरवर्ड वी विल रीड द नेक्स्ट श्लोक रिपीट आफ्टर मी अमृत्यु सर्वद्रक सिंह सर्वद्रक सिंह संधाता संधिमा स्थिर अजो दुर्मर्शन शास्ता विश्रुतात्मा सुरारिहामृत्यु अमृत्यु एनीथिंग दैट विच इज क्रिएटेड विल हैव various stages of modification and mrityu death in our hinduism has been seen in a totally different light because our concept is our life doesn't come to an end with this form or creation so there is no fear that i go back and come back also but the, the the other religions have single entry visa our religion has the multiple entry visa <clears throat> that you get one chance so supposing you can, you go to a exotic country wherein they don't give visas that easily and you got your visa and you get to such place what would you want to do explore everything possible in the duration that the visa has been granted to you because the fear is you may never ever again get an opportunity to explore and indulge in in that place Now in our Siddhanta or in our understanding of Hinduism, Hinduism says that we get multiple entry visa. Therefore, do not rush through. Enjoy every stage, and grow through and grow above all these stages, and grow to the highest stage of perfection. <coughs> so mrityu has always been seen always been described not as end of the process but as an intermediary step and gurudev puts it in a very beautiful usage of his his way of coining words was amazing he calls it as he calls death as constructive destruction most of us do and we are quite an expert at destructive destruction you get angry at somebody take the <coughs> destructive destruction but paramatma's way of functioning is constructive destruction i have given this example earlier also you sow a seed 
the best part of creation. Imagine, Paramatma has <coughs> planned it in such a way that that little sapling growing requires the initial boost for it to grow. So, has provided two pods right there in that seed for that little thing to germinate into a sapling. And that sapling is amazing thing to observe. Why is it amazing to observe? It is so feeble that you touch it or you, you don't know how to handle it, you may end up breaking it. It is that uh, supple. Now, such one has broken, has teared open the earth, big chunks of it. It has turned it around and it shoots up. So, in that stage, what has happened? The seedness dies, giving birth to a sapling. So, what is that? Constructive destruction. That it has been replaced by something more unique than what it was earlier. Now, the sapling grows into a bush, the bush grows into a tree, then the tree starts growing into a, when it starts giving out flowers, the flowerness dies to give birth to a fruit. The fruit again grows and matures. The fruitness dies to give rise to more seeds. So, death is not a, a unidirectional pause or a stop, but it is an opportunity for much more. But all this is, all these different modifications is a possibility for that which is born. And Paramatma being, we will come to that word in this very shloka, ajaha, unborn. Therefore, there is no possibility of mrityu. Do we ever mourn for somebody who is yet to be born? No, right? We never mourn for somebody who is yet to be born because they are not yet born. Amrityuhu, that which was never born, that which always exists, never has death, but death is an intrinsic tool of that Paramatma to balance this entire nature that he springs forth as. But he is not limited by that concept or that principle of death. Amrityuhu Sarvadak <coughs> Sarvadak This is a very tricky word to understand. Do we do things uh, hiding it from various people? The various things that we do, right? We have different kinds of account systems. There is Rama and Krishna. <clears throat> I learned this term long time ago in Bombay. Do you know Rama and Krishna accounts? Rama is the white account. 
Krishna is the black account. Those are the technical words used. <clears throat> so every Vyapari, every businessman has a Ramakrishna account. Something which is shady and something which can be openly shown. And as young as a 3-4 year old, from there, if the mother says, do not touch these, do not eat them. And the mothers have this special antenna. All mothers have it. I think the day the child is born, the mother is also born with the unseen antenna. Because the moment the child is doing up to some mischief, the, the Bhadrakali avatar is there, right? What are you up to? So the child is up to some mischief and the mother comes into the kitchen and the child is just picking that which was which he was forbidden to pick and the mother <coughs> clears her throat. That sound is enough. The child turns behind and what is the instant reaction? That which is already in the hand. What is in your hand? Nothing. One of the early poems that was taught while we were growing up. Johnny, Johnny, eating sugar, show me your mouth. There is one person, though we may think that we are hiding, there is one illumining factor which is making note of every conscious, unconscious effort that we put. We may, we may not remember what we do. Every one of those actions are accounted for. Every one of it. We may think we are hiding, but can we hide it from that Paramatma? Because he is called Sarvadrik, <coughs> the one who is observing everything inside as well as outside. And the best part is, in spite of knowing, I think that is the most amazing part of this creation. In spite of knowing inside out, he does not step in to become a micromanager. Imagine if you know that somebody in your family, somebody in your office has a hidden agenda and you come to know of it, you have a proof. Can you sit quiet? We will go there, smack it into their face. Is this what you are doing? Don't we do? Look at the gracious presence that he observes everything. But does not become a micromanager. Learn quickly and grow quickly.
amrityu sarvadhrg simhaha if we do not quicken our path and change what does he become he becomes simhaha simhaha which means himsaha this is called mutual transpositioning of the syllables and they mean the same what does simhaha mean himsaha himsaha means he becomes violence in our life and when such troubled situations happen do they happen once in a while no they all seem to attack us from all directions all at the same time then don't cry foul then don't start crying saying that you know i have never hurt even an ant i have been such a pious person yeah yeah right we are not going through somebody else's life we are going through our own life and whatever we are going through is because of all these hidden things conscious or unconscious things that we have been doing which are not righteous which are not right <clears throat> it is not that he comes down to punish or he makes us he is not with that intent to constantly make sure that we are punished the generic rules of this entire creation it follows certain laws you go along with them life is beautiful you go against them have you ever uh, plucked a rose flower all of you you not do it tomorrow and tell me tomorrow as to how was the experience <clears throat> it is not like plucking any other fruit that you hold the branch and then you know pull because you have to be careful while you are plucking it if you, if you have a wild variety of rose even the stem on which that little rose it also has tiny little thorns and doing doing gardening wearing a gloves is a concept that i learned after coming to us because back there we used to do it we used to learn breaking it in spite of those thorns and the concept that was taught to us was when dealing with when dealing with roses learn that there will be thorns it will prick you right so while doing it we do it unconsciously and when it starts biting back that is what is the law of nature and the one who functions as that law of nature mercilessly is recognized as simha one meaning of it second meaning of it is <clears throat> whenever our intensity of devotion deepens the one who comes in spite of a causeless cause usually to come into this world you need a womb 
But where did Simha come from? <coughs> from a pillar. <coughs> and nothing can stop him to come. Once that intensity is intensified within our own heart. Amrityu Sarvadruk Simhaha Sandhata Sandhiman Stiraha Sandhata Sandhata, the one who tags, correlates, puts one plus one together. So we may have done actions in the past. And we may think that we are escaping the results of it. There is no one who can escape it. No one. There is this story in the Puranas that there was a thief who steals a very important jewel, very loved jewel of the queen. And the thief, as soon as he steals it, the system goes off and all the guards start running after him. And the thief gets into a hermitage. Some rishi was doing tapasya there. And he throws it under his seat and hides behind the tree. So the guards look at the sage who was sitting there and they see that you know there is something shining under his seat. They grab him, pick him up, they see that that was a jewel hiding under his asana. So they have proof right there. The thief escapes. The actual one escapes. So this uh, sage is brought in and he is given a very cruel punishment that he is uh, crucified. And then uh, he dies, he reaches you know, the threshold, Yama with his secretary sitting there. Do you know who is his secretary? Chitragupta. So he says there must be something wrong. As far as I know, I have spent my entire life only in tapasya. I can vouch for it. So, Chitragupta is now disturbed. He says, somebody is challenging my paper. Uh, it usually doesn't happen that way. So, he goes and I said, no, you deserved it, he says. He says, when you were young, you may not even remember it, when you were young, you were playing with, you know, what they call dragonfly. Like they, they, like the helicopter, they keep moving around, hovering around. So you caught one of those, and you pierced it with a straw blade of a grass. And what you experienced was the immediate result. But since in this life. You have done no other harm and there was no possibility for another birth for you to experience it. Therefore, God had to create this so that you experience that result of what you had initiated. Now imagine, what are all the things that we do? 
and the one who unites us to our karma phala therefore he is called sandhata the one who correlates with our actions and results and makes sure that the results are experienced one request consciously do not hurt anybody in this world thought word or deed never ever because when it comes back it really hurts i don't know how else to say it never ever hurt anybody any being a dragonfly pierced with a straw blade and he had to be crucified look at the intensity of it i don't know past cannot be broken whatever has happened has happened you have to go through but at least moving forward can't we make conscious decision you may not love the world you may not like everything around you but never ever hurt anybody thought word or deed sandhata <coughs> <coughs> he is also called sandhiman what is that we will see tomorrow and just for information with the word simhaha we crossed double century 200th pointer in understanding bhagwan vishnu just got concluded we will see the further details tomorrow पूर्णमद पूर्णमद पूर्णात्पूर्णमुदच्यते पूर्णस्य पूर्णमादाय पूर्णमेवावशिष्य ओं शाशाशा हरी ओं श्रीगुरभ्यो नम हरी ओम